Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. So I'm the same way. I write it all down just because I know at some point it's going to become useful. Okay. Yeah, like on Showtime. Did you see the Showtime show? I did not see your show yesterday. No, you know, I watch all your stuff. You never watch mine. <laughs> you're, okay. you're, you're full of crap. I watched all your Showtime show the first two weeks. Look at that jerk right there. That's Matt Casey, the guy who ruins my life daily. Okay, but hey, we're back. It's Chris and Zumbud. The Bear Meisters here you. today. What's up? How you doing? I do watch my dad's Showtime show. I don't always see the first show on Tuesday. Yeah. And he gets like, hey, she's all the circus. And he gets very offended if I didn't. But nonetheless, we got the big fucker coming on later today. Mm-hmm. He should be on in about 30 minutes, okay? Um, we got a good show here. We got, you know, it's week four of uh, Deep Dive film. We got all that. We got some Twitter questions. We're going to hit Saints D versus Cowboys O, so everybody knows that. We're going to hit Bears D versus Vikings O. Oh, Thielen or Cousins. Cousins or Thielen. We're going to do Browns O versus Ravens D. We're going to do the full Bills Patriots. Both sides. Both sides, okay? And then the full Raiders Colts uh, as well. And then we're going to just answer a few questions about Panthers Texans, and then we're out of here. So, uh, how you doing? You good? I'm good. I'm realizing that I had, this is in response to you saying we're going to study these games. I've got more notes and crap then I've had this entire season. Yeah, good. I don't okay. know if it's going to be good or bad. Welcome to the squad. Okay. Right? Yeah, yeah, that's the way it is. Um, but uh, all right, so let's 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 not even uh, let's not bullcrap today. Deep dive number one. Let's get right after it. Saints, Saints defense. Yeah. Cowboys offense. Amidst all my my scribbles. Yeah. And highlights. My number one question. Yes. It's the number one reason Dallas scored only one touchdown after they averaged over thirty points per game the first first part of the season. Okay. Great question. This would be if you made me narrow to one thing. I would say it's the Saints defensive line. That would be it. Now, there's going to be more to this answer, but if you just said, Chris, give me one reason. Well, the one reason I'm giving you this is the number one reason is because you've heard me say the Saints D-line is the real deal, especially when it comes to the run. I mean, last year they were the second-best run-stopping defense in football. This year, I don't even know where they're statistically at right now. I know there's probably not as good because – you know, Deshaun Watson and a few teams ran on them early, but nobody runs up the middle on the Saints. That's what I will say. They have big fuckers across the board. Defensive tackles, they have a plethora of them. Defensive ends, they have a plethora of them. And then this is why it really worked, and they held Dallas. They didn't help the D-line. They said, we're not, we're not going to try to, like, throw the extra safety in the box. Mm-hmm. We're not going to, like, try to outnumber you on every uh, run – you know, run down in distance or every time you get in a heavy set with two tight ends, we're not going to – they put the pressure on their D-line at least to start the game to go, 
let's see if you can hold your own without a little extra safety help and things like that. And they did, and they stayed with that game plan. Now, to further that, the next thing I would tell you is, because of that, they got to keep two safeties deep a lot. But this was the big thing, and this could be big for the Saints all year long. I've been a complainer about the Saints since last year. They play too much man-to-man -man on defense. And this is where I think the Cowboys really stalled out in the football game. The, the Saints changed what they did on defense as, as according to the first three weeks of the year. They mm -hmm. threw a curveball at the Cowboys. The Cowboys came in with a game plan saying, I think we're going to get a lot of man-to-man -man and we're going to get a lot of plays to, to beat it. And, of course, we got some players, too, and we get some one-on-one -on -one matchups. We're going to take advantage of it. Well, the Saints said, screw you. You're right. You do have a lot of man-to-man -man beaters, and you do have good <laughs> players, and we're stupid if we play man-to-man. -man. And I give Sean Payton a lot of credit, along with Dennis Allen, because they went to a primarily zone defense for the night. And you always hear me talk. I'm, I'm, I'm a big believer in zone defense, and then it gets to third and three, third and four. got to play some man-to-man -man because there's too many ways to get those cheap completions. They did that. That's really what they did. So if I had to base it down to two things to what really slowed them down, those are the two biggest things more than anything. Dennis Allen went to some zone defense. You always hear me say game-specific zone coverages. Mm -hmm. Cover three with a little tweak because this team does this. And cover four you know, with a little tweak because this team does that and all of that. And that's what they did. And those were the two things that jumped out to me more than anything. So you said that the Saints defense threw them a curveball. I yeah. have written down here. Yeah. This is from your notes. You right. said the Saints are doing things I've never seen them do before. Right. Do before. That's all the going heavy zone instead of heavy man. Heavy okay, zone, so right. That's exactly that right. right. Yes. Uh, tell me what you think of this. I wrote th yeah. this down a number of times about Dak. Uh, two things. I thought he had initial time, yeah. like whether it was a three-step or a five-step. Agreed. He'd hit the top of it and nowhere to go. Do you think he was – confused or do you think that the Saints coverage was that good? I think that they were yes I think they were a little confused I think there was a few times where he dropped back and he thought he had man-to-man -man and oh no it's zone and yeah that's why I was really excited to watch this film because you know you watch on TV and we've seen them be a machine right, right. we've been watching yeah. the Cowboys I mean it's been one pat and you're like oh there's a 15-yard completion oh one pat and there's a 10-yard completion that's the way the Cowboys have worked all year and in this game we saw one pat and no he's not throwing anybody and another pat on the ball and no no right. And I kept going, man, what are the, what are the Saints yeah. doing back there to do that? But I do think it was good job of uh, um, disguising their zone coverages and what they were doing and just a game plan and Dak being caught off guard going, okay, I mean, I'm dropping back. I'm expecting man-to-man -man here. Oh, whoa, it's zone. Okay, whoa, nobody's open. What do I do? Ooh, there's a window. Ooh, it's really tight. I don't know. So that was affected. And then – you know, we talked a lot about their play-action pass, right, mm -hmm. about how awesome that's been. Yeah. Well, because the Saints front four and those big dudes up there were able to stop the run by themselves, they kept two safeties back a lot. So play-action pass – What's right. it going to do with two safeties back, I right? I mean, yeah. you know, you've been a quarterback. It's, you know, it's tough sledding if there's two safeties you're staying back and you're trying to run play-action pass. But, you know, just with the, the last thing I'll say with the, their defense, I mean, when you really break them down and you talk about, okay, Sheldon Rankins, 305 pounds, Shai Tuttle, 300 pounds, those are their backup defensive tackles right yeah. now. You know, then you get into Mario Edwards. He's 280, okay? And Cameron Jordan, who's a 290-pound defensive end. And, you know, Omen Yacht who's 300 pounds, okay? Marcus Davenport's another big defense end that's 270. You know, Trey Hendrickson, he's 270. And I'm missing somebody else, too, along 
uh, that conversation, I think. But either way, it just tells you, oh, Malcolm Brown. Malcolm Brown. There's another guy who's uh, 320 pounds. Yeah. So you start to look at it and you go, ooh, if the Saints want to get big, they can get big in a hurry and play four big guys across the board. And that really is one of the strengths of their team, and it helped them out. And the D-line can run, too. Like, guys that you're, are, are not like household Saint defensive yes. names. I wrote down number 92, chased down Austin on, a, on an end around. I know. Made him cut it back inside. Right. That was a big – I know exactly the player you're talking about. I know, Davenport. I mean, right. that's, that's what I – yeah, you're right. It's a big, sneaky, athletic – They can move. They can move. And it's a special part of their football team. And if they can get that back mm-hmm. end figured out with the right combination of what they do – they don't need to make life complicated. That front four is good enough to hold its own against any team running the football. What do you want to see them get figured out in the back end? Because I have written down a couple times they must be covering their asses off yes. because Dak has nowhere to go with it. And there was no run after the catch. No, there Quarters was not. one through four. So. And that's because they're playing zone two because now your eyes are on the guy catching the ball and you can all can converge, right? Instead of being a man-to-man where, oh gosh, if the guy that's covering a man-to-man doesn't make the tackle, we're off to the races, yeah. right? And I think that's what we saw like the Seattle game Russell Wilson threw for 400 yards because he just kept going damn it's man to man I'm gonna throw I'll I'll throw a deep ball on the money I'll throw a deep cross on the money and it's it's just too hard to play man to man every play unless you're New England and have just special special talent and of course Belichick is a special secondary coach you know what else I noticed and you've taken my eyes to this again this season you talk about how Dak thought they were going to play man to man they would also line up with seven, eight men on the line of scrimmage in third and medium. I'm sure in that moment he's thinking, this has got to be some kind of man. I right. wonder if these two are coming or those two. Most of the time they brought three or only four. I know. See, there you go. That's, that's, yeah, that's, that's huge. I mean, I, I do think as good as quarterbacks and offensive coordinators and receivers are just throwing and catching the ball this day and age, if you think you're a defensive coordinator and you're just going to break the huddle and go, this is our defense. This mm-hmm. is what we're playing, and we're not going to make the quarterback think. You're insane. Unless you you better have talent out of your ears if you're going to play defense that way. That's why I always talk about, like, yeah, the Seattle Seahawks could get away with that for years and years. You know, yeah, they had a special talent on that side of the football, right. let alone that was a special scheme at one point, not anymore. But, yeah, that, that's very tough to play this day and age. I'll tell you, one team that kind of does that to this point that can pull it off is the, the other defense in this game. The Cowboys are a little bit of a, this is what we play, screw you. Mm-hmm. Let's see if you can beat us. But they have the talent to do it. The Cowboys are special on talent on that side of the ball, so they can make it happen. But there's only a, a few defenses in football that have that type of talent. But I think we, we pretty much hit it all, right? I don't hey, think there's anything more that Cowboys I mean, Saints. Yeah, I think there is. I mean, hey, the Cowboys, you fumble on fourth and one. You know, you fumble if you're Jason Witten, you know, down the middle of the field on a big play. Those are those are huge momentum swing type plays in a football game. And uh, they hurt their, you know, hurt drives and hurt their right. opportunities to maybe get a few more points. We're talking about what they did to Dak Prescott in the, in the passing game. Should also point out Zeke had 24 touches. 65 yards. Yeah. Normally when he's over 20 touches in the run game and pass game, he's easily over 100. Right. So they, they did a fantastic job on him. They did. As well as just confusing Dak. Yeah, no, no question about it. It was uh, really impressive, and I was really impressed. Dennis Allen is one of my MVPs of the week. I'm always – I love a guy who's, who's – I'm always a fan of a guy who self-scouts mm-hmm. and goes, you know what, I got some issues here. We're letting up so many big plays. Look, let me look in the mirror. What the fuck am I doing wrong right. here that I can help out? And I think Dennis Allen did that, and uh, good for him.
All right, let's go elsewhere in the in the NFC to the NFC North Vikings and Bears. Before we get into the deep dive on um, the Bears defense against the Vikings offense, a lot of attention this week paid to Adam Thielen's postgame comments and more recently Kirk Cousins' response to that. Let's take a listen. I think that's probably the most frustrating thing is, is we knew that that was going to happen at some point. At some point, you're not going to be able to run the ball for 180 yards, um, even with the best running back in the NFL. Um, and that's when you have to be able to throw the ball. You have to be able to make plays. Um, you have to be able to, um, you know, hit the ball, the deep balls. You have to do that because otherwise, it's too easy for teams to just tee up and, and rush the quarterback. So uh, we have to be, we have to be able to run the ball and pass the ball. All right, that was Adam Thielen after the loss on Sunday. Let's right. take a listen to Kirk Cousins today, which is Wednesday. I really want to apologize to him because there's too many opportunities where we could have hit him on Sunday. And post-game, when I talk to the media, I always say, hey, until I watch the film, it's hard for me to really give you a straight answer. Well, now it's Tuesday night. I've watched the film. And the reality is there were opportunities for him. I, the one that's most obvious is the third and 10 at the beginning of the game. We're near midfield. That's arguably seven points. If you put the ball where it needs to be, he's shown, number 19's shown, that he will make that play. And he'll probably finish the play in the end zone and pull away from the defender. All right, that's courtesy KFAN in the Twin Cities. What stood out to you the, the most there? Well, okay. First off, um, Adam Thielen, mm -hmm. breaking protocol. Okay, this is something I was going to grieve about on the pro football talk today. Because, I, you know, again, if this was Aaron Rodgers or somebody else who said something like that, oh, why is he airing their dirty laundry? Right, right. Why is he cryptically saying these messages? So that's bullshit on Adam Thielen. Do you okay? think he was talking to the offensive coordinator or the quarterback? Coach? I think he's probably talking to a little bit of both. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think a little bit of both. But it, it sounded more like Cousins to me. I don't know. What do you think? Um, I mean, I'm sure the offensive coordinator is involved in that as well. I think it'd be, more, it'd be easier for me to, to believe that he was directing that at the coaching staff. I yeah. mean, when it's – Receiver to quarterback, I mean, that's you just don't hear that no, very often. You don't Especially hear veteran that. to veteran. Right. And as you said, you don't hear any of it very often. No. I mean, that, that's going against the norm. The norm. To call either one out, the it coaching is. staff or the quarterback in the postgame. But I, I think that was more toward the coaches than it was towards his quarterback. I'm not, I'm not going like, to sit here and disagree with you. You know, I mean, the, the problem is when you say something like that and you have a punching bag on your team named Kirk Cousins, who everybody can't wait to jump on, right. you open the door for everybody to jump on him. And then Kirk Cousins has to address it. Okay, and that's where it's bullshit. And so Kirk Cousins, let's just talk about that comment real quick before mm -hmm. we get into the film. First off, I give him a lot of credit. I mean, he, he always takes it like a man. I, I watched the film. I should have, you know, right. I made some mistakes, blah, 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 blah. I wish he wouldn't have done that. I, I wish he would have addressed it today when he's outside his locker room. And don't say sorry to Adam Thielen. Right. Adam Thielen should be saying sorry to you. Okay, so that would be my first thing. And then the next thing is, when you're the quarterback of a football team and you're the leader and you're supposed to be the captain of the ship, right, okay, you, I, you just, I don't think it looks good to say sorry to a guy who's like somewhat publicly calling you out. It's yeah. just not a good look. I wish he would have just said, obviously there were some issues. I could have played better. There's no doubt about that. We're all frustrated. Mm -hmm. But like 
Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers, they would have never apologized to a receiver. First off, no receiver would ever say that about mm -hmm. them, but they would never have apologized to acknowledge the stupidness of that receiver saying that. Right. And, you know, I would hope at some point he says something to Thielen, like, hey, dude, that was fucked up. Mm -hmm. You said that. Now here we are. For the third day this week, we're still talking about this because Mike Zimmer had to talk about it at this coaching yeah. press conference this morning, and here we are because of him. And that's where it's BS, and uh, I feel bad, but yet I'm not going to sit here and tell you Thielen's lying with what he said either. Right. Yeah. It all stems from how poorly they played right. on Sunday. Yeah. It had been kind of a small ball approach to the early part of the season, but it had mostly worked didn't work at all right. on Sunday. And we talked about this, I right? Know, right, yeah. We just said if the run game didn't work, is this, this is what we talked about all last week. Yes. Is yeah. this pass game good enough? Yeah. Their margin for error was awfully slim. Awfully slim. So they run into a Bears defensive line that was fantastic. Right. What's the biggest reason you think the Vikings failed on Sunday? Well, uh, I mean, they became one-dimensional, that's for sure. The Bears defense is the real deal. There's no question about that. Now, you know, within that, I didn't ex ever expect, like, the Vikings were going to put up 30 points in this game. I think I thought the game was going to be like a 17-16 type of game. I think that's what I picked the Vikings to win the game by, 17-16. Right. Obviously, I was wrong. Okay. The biggest thing, though, and I think you've seen my notes, you know, there is there is some truth to what Adam Thielen said in the pre in, in his little post-game press conference. And what I mean by that, of course we know the big play he missed on third and ten mm -hmm. uh, to Adam Thielen, which, which would have been a touchdown, certainly. Okay? I get that. And when you're playing a Bears defense, you only get so many opportunities like that to strike. So when it happens, you got to strike. Uh, but I think overall, if I just had to the, 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 the make a theme, especially in the first half, Kirk Cousins was predetermining, um, too quick to get the ball out of his hand and go to the check down a I few times. I yeah. want to raise my hand yeah. on the predetermined. Go ahead. Right. What's tipping you off? How, how do you know that he had predetermined where he wanted to throw? Because there's like certain plays where I go, this is the coverage you want for this play. Like, I don't understand why you wouldn't give it a chance. And there's no like looking to the concept. It's almost like, Hey, I got to the top of my drop and, you know, oh, I'm just, I'm already looking to the check down. I've already gone, ooh, I don't necessarily love this play versus this coverage. Where it might not be coached like perfectly for that coverage, mm -hmm. but it's still a play that works against that coverage and you need to give it time to develop regardless. So I think those are little things I looked at. Or, yes, just coming to one guy right off the bat where it was like, okay, I have a shallow cross coming across. But there's some other things going on here on the left side of the field or you're leaving a completion on the board, but you've already gone to the shallow cross. Or, you know, he had a play-action pass at one point where the pocket was clean and he had, like, uh, I want to say Thielen or Diggs. I got a few of these written down. I mean, I'm going to – I'm gonna, you know what? I'm just going to go through them. I'm yeah. sorry. Second drive of the game. This is after the next series, right, after he missed Thielen on third and ten. Second drive of the game. It's 13.07 in the second quarter, okay? They're on their own five-yard line. They're backed up. It's first down. He's got – Stefan Diggs on like a, a corner route. He ran like a little post corner. He's wide open. I mean, he's wide. It's going to be at least a 30-yard gain. If Stefan Diggs makes somebody miss, it might be bigger than that, okay? But it's on a sail route, we call it, in the West Coast offense. Protection's good. He, I mean, he's got to throw it, I wrote. He's wide open, going to have a huge gain. 
but he decided to check it down to the back. He never really gave it a chance. It didn't really look like he gave it a look. It was almost like, oh, I'm backed up. I'm just going to get the ball out of my hand. Right. And, you know, that, so that's not good. And I, listen, I know this is hard. I understand playing in the NFL is hard. Uh, you know, another play, 8-10 in the second quarter. Thielen has a post corner, okay, on this one. Versus cover six, which is quarter, quarter, half. To his side, it's cover four. He runs the post corner. It basically becomes man-to-man. He's got it. He's open. There's no pressure at all. And uh, Cousins steps up in the pocket and never really gives it a look. Just goes right to the back and check down as soon as he steps up. I mean, the pocket's perfect. So, Mm -hmm. you know, again, it's being critical. But when you're playing a great defense and you are a good football team and you're being paid $28 million a year, yes, there's only so many times you get a chance to make a big play against these type of defenses, and I think he left a handful of them out there on the field during the game. Is that something you recognized last year and in his years in Washington, too? I, I can't say that I did. No, I can't. You know, I, I really didn't. I feel like, you know, I, I don't know if maybe all the pressure and scrutiny is getting to him a little bit around him. I, I don't have an answer for you, but um, he certainly played it a little too close to the vest in this game and uh, just never put their offense in a position of power. This was a game where he needed to make a few of those plays Mm -hmm. to back them off, and then maybe they would have been able to run the ball. But then they couldn't do that, and the run game didn't work. And then the second half, they basically had to give up on the run game, and they became one-dimensional. And that's when the pass protection got bad. And I want to get to the run game in a moment, but let's spend a little more time with the pass game. I have circled here and highlighted one thing you wrote. Yeah. It sounds like Kirk Cousins didn't play as well as he wanted to right. for, for all the reasons you pointed out. Maybe they're not helping him as much schematically. You wrote down yep. Vikings pass game needs imagination. It does. No doubt about that. So with their personnel, right. with their coaches, right. how would you like to see that play out? Yeah, well, I, I just think they got to find different ways, especially uh, well on all downs. Different formations, different route combinations. It's a lot of just basic West Coast crap, I would say. I always say this is, this is day one, day two, day three installation stuff. These are the things when I was in training camp with John Gruden, these are like the first 40 plays we put in, okay, the first three days of training camp. And that, to me, is the meat and potatoes of their offense. I don't see anything more than that. And the problem with that, you know, okay, maybe you can get away with it if you're super talented. They're not super talented on that side of the ball like that. And this day and age right now where we are, like defensive players have seen these base West Coast plays since high school. It's just, it's not that, it's just, this is not 1989 and Bill Walsh anymore. Everybody's running these type of plays. And I think that's really the big issue there. They've got to find some different route combinations and different formations in general. Even their formation usage is very elementary for the mm-hmm. NFL. I mean, it's, you know, oh, tight end here, tight end here, receiver here, receiver here. Oh, two tight ends to the left, slot to the right. Oh, I form, boom, that's all there is to it. And I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that, but every now and then it's got to be like, you know, two tight ends to the right, tight slot over there, maybe with the back, you know, motioning into the bunch on a second and seven or whatever it may be. they got to find some different ways to make the defense think. And right now they're just trying to do it with like pure physical ability mm-hmm. and like physical physicality in the run game. And they met their match because the right. Bears defensive front seven is the real deal, and they whooped the shit out of that Vikings O-line, for lack of a better phrase. So let's weave these two games together, the one we talked about before, Saints-Cowboys, praised up and down for good reason. The Saints defensive line. Yep. Bears defensive line was fantastic. I I can count on one hand the number of times Dalvin Cook wasn't met before he got to the line of scrimmage. 
So let's start there. Which defensive line, which front four, Ooh. Bears or Saints, was more dominant this weekend? Ooh, that's a good one. Okay, I'm going to give the Saints the edge there, okay? It's really tough I to say that. I might go Chicago. I know. Well, I, I think, you know, Chicago's was really dominant, too. I think there was more pressure on the Saints' D-line, and mm-hmm. they were asked, do it yourself. We're not going to help you. The Bears, which is embarrassing for the Vikings, they outnumbered the run game all day long. Yeah. And they couldn't do anything to back them off in the pass game. That's where it's just like, you know, I think I wrote at one point, hey, I wrote, I love the dedication of the run, but the Bears got eight guys close to the line of scrimmage. You right. got number 14 and number 19. Yes. You can't let them play like this. I have that written down for you. You can't. Well. You can't let them play like you this. You can't let them play and like this. The passing game and success in the passing game was the only thing that would allow them to, to not play that way. Exactly or right. To force to them out of it. scare them out of yeah. it. Exactly right. And right. that never happened during the game. And, yes, like I said, if, I think if, you know, Cousins is a little more aggressive, hits the deep pass that mm-hmm. he tried to hit the Thielen, that's going to make, okay, whoa, hey, we're the Bears in the sideline now. Chuck Pagano's coming over. Hey, guys, we're going to have to change a few things. When they get in this formation, I don't, you know, I don't think I'm going to bring that safety down anymore. We're going to blah, 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 do this and do that because I'm a little worried about the pass game today. Right. And that never became an issue at all. How worried are you about the offensive line that had been pretty good, it had been pretty the good. first three weeks? Only throw out numbers yeah. when, when there's a really good point to be sure, made. But sure. Dalvin Cook was six and a half yards per carry. That's yes. not one game. Right. That's three games. Right, right. He was two and a half yards per carry. Yeah. I mean, that, that's not all him. No, it's that's not all not him. all the Bears front seven. Minnesota offensive line has to sit the head of that table as well. No, no question. Um, I think Bradbury, their first-round pick at NC State, got his welcome to the NFL okay. moment. I mean, he met Roy Robertson, Harris, and uh, what, what's his name? N- Nichols, uh, 98. What the hell is Nichols' first name? I always forget it. Bilal Nichols. He met him, and he, there, there was a good butt whooping they put on him. Even Elf, uh, Elfline uh, at guard had a rough day. They beat the crap out of that interior part of the offensive line in general. And those guys deserve a lot of credit. Eddie Goldman, Bilal Nichols, they didn't even have Akeem Hicks. Didn't matter. Roy Robertson Harris, they are phenomenal. The Bears have some beasts up front, let alone those two outside linebackers, Floyd and Mack, on the edge. That's where they're special. And I'll, th- I'll say this. One more thing before we go on. Because I need this. And you, you said the Vikings pass offense needs more imagination. Mm-hmm. Other thing that just popped to me during the game and this could be a theme just for anybody watching football and loving X's and O's to look forward to. I'm not so sure. I'm not so sure blitzing Dalvin Cook on passing situations doesn't become a thing going forward. Mm. He's a little bit of a smaller running back, and they blitzed him a few times in some obvious situations with Kwiatkowski, and he just ran him over, Roquan Smith's replacement. And a lot of the times... I know like New England, they have big middle linebackers. One of their beliefs is to have big middle linebackers so they can blitz them and you can't block them with third down running backs. And I think that could be something just to watch out for. Again, it reared its ugly head a few times in this game, and I wouldn't be shocked if teams just said, you know what, rather than deal with this guy in the pass game coming out of the backfield, let's just blitz him and make him block and see if he can hold up. Let's go to Browns-Ravens. Yep. All right, Baker Mayfield. Let me text my dad and tell him we got five minutes before we call him, okay? So he doesn't have a hissy fit and like, oh, I got got nothing to do here all day. I'm just sitting here. Call us both dummies again, right? Yeah. 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 Okay, so Browns, Ravens, AFC North. Yep. Uh, Baker's numbers were a whole lot better than they have been. Best thing he did. He, best thing he did was he stopped his craziness in the pocket. 
but he's still he's he, still jumpy. Even yeah, yes, still I wrote jumpy. Down frenetic. Yes, it, 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 it's a different kind of style. Yes, it where is. He's jumping around. Right. He rarely goes from one step to five or three and just boom hits it. He's moving kind of the way Brett Favre used to. No doubt. No yeah. doubt. So, hey, uh, I, what's, like, this is the difference to me. Just my, this will be my only stand-up today, John McDonald. He is frenetic, right? He's always yeah. moving you know, front, doing back, this. side. Yeah. But the problem I had with, with the frenetic, I have no problem with that, but the problem I had the first three weeks was it was this. It was, huh, huh, and then run, run. run. This week, at least he did, he did this a few times. He went, huh? And he wanted to run. He, went, it was like, coach, he was like, man, Freddie told me to stop doing that shit. And he went back and got in there. And, like, and then it was still frenetic, but at least he stayed with the play to give it a chance. That was what it jumped out to me maybe more than anything about his game as compared to what we saw the first few weeks. It wasn't like always pretty like you're saying, right. but he stayed in there. Yeah. Instead of abandoning ship where I want to go, nothing's good going right. to happen going running backwards into your right. Yeah. We got to stop doing that. My thought was he, he stayed true to himself. Right. He's not trying to become like, I hit my fifth step, I get it out no matter what. Yes. But the, the things that got him in trouble, which you just pointed out, right. he cut those out without being a, a completely yeah. different version of himself in the pocket. And that's, you're, you're right. Like we want him to stay with himself. He's, right. he's good himself. He doesn't need to like reinvent invent the wheel. These are just little things that is still a young football player we're talking about that has yet to start a full NFL season. Right. And he just had some bad habits in the first few weeks, and that was a long way to kind of at least breaking some of those habits in the game. I wrote down here a couple times, he's never tentative and he's never careful. It's, it's, I mean, maybe he should be. Yeah, I That's know. what makes him different and fun to watch. It is. It's an aggressive every time. Like, like we just talked about with Kirk Cousins yeah. and not doing it, you don't ever have to worry that. The Baker Mayfield, he's coming back looking to strike. He is one of those guys that you're going to have to go, yeah, dude, hey, we don't have to strike every time you drop back to pass. It's okay to throw the check down. So, yes, you're right. I mean, he is, he is looking to drop back and gash a defense. He's not looking to go, oh, gosh, if it's not wide open, I want to throw the check down. That's certainly not his game, and that's what makes him very dangerous. Let's go to the Twitter question about yeah. this game. W. Josh underscore Staggs wants to know more about the Cleveland offensive line yeah. against the Baltimore front seven. Yeah, definitely. I mean, that was, the, that was really the key to the game, okay? And if, if you've been listening to the pod, okay, I've been asking Cleveland to play through the run game. Yep. I've been, that's all I've been saying. They have a good run-blocking offensive line. It's definitely better than their pass-blocking offensive line, okay? And their success of their team at the end of last year was all through the run game. And you saw how talented Nick Chubb is, right, and everything he can do. But uh, it's a diverse use of schemes in the run game, inside, outside zone, pulling guards. They did Y-whams, you know, and when I say Y-whams, like the tight end is off the line of scrimmage and the defensive tackle's in there and they let the defensive tackle fly up the field and the tight end kind of slide swipes them from the side. They have that going. They had toss sweeps going with pulling people. Yeah, what was the 88-yard touchdown run of that sweep? A, a little, little toss sweep with the uh, guard tackle pull out on the edge. Right, and they blocked down, blocked down, and he found a crease. And his speed, which is special, he had the speed to get through there untouched and make it a track race, and that was amazing. Yes, let alone Baltimore misses C.J. Mosley. They're not as they're not as athletic. They're not very athletic on the front seven. They're a size front seven, and. Yes, their linebackers, their middle linebackers, especially who I like, but they're still getting used to being middle linebackers in the NFL. Yeah, they got caught in some trash a few times where you go, ooh, that guy's got to get out there on the edge 
and he didn't get out there to stop the run game in general. But I've been asking the Browns to go underneath the center more, yeah. and I'm just telling you, they were underneath the center yep. a lot during this football Saw game, that. and it made them better with play action and everything else. I want to ask you about one of the plays. Yeah. Uh, in addition to the 88-yard <coughs> touchdown run, you, you commented on that here. Right. There was a play in the third quarter. It was a, it was a second down. Kind of a harmless, wasn't like a key situation. Yeah, I know okay. the play you're going to talk about, I think, here. OBJ, very, he, he didn't have a whole lot of production. No. But yet, no. on this second down play, he ran like a two or three yard stop route right. with a seam route behind him. Right. They committed two defenders to him right away, right. sprinted up to him and yeah. stood there with him yes. as he basically did nothing. Yes. And a seam route went way over the top of him. It was yeah. one of the. Ricky Seals Jr. for a yeah, big game. Turned into right. one of the biggest plays of the game. Right. It, that's the OBJ effect. It's certainly real. You know, whether you, the stats are there or not. Uh, whenever it was a big play, whenever they were in the red zone, they, OBJ was doubled. And then when he wasn't doubled, it was... It wasn't even like a, a quote, big play. No, I know. This, was, this, this is where the problem is on this play you're talking about. Because I don't know if I wrote it down, but either way, I know exactly. Um, he... This is cover three, mm -hmm. and it's Marlon Humphrey's fault, but he's become so obsessed with Odell Beckham Jr., and he's so worried about him, and Coach always saying things to him all week. And he, and he played him man-to-man -man a bunch, too, in some certain situations. Now, I would argue that he held him about every time he played him man-to-man, -man, and I think that's what ultimately led to the fight they had either way. But this play is cover three. You saw the safety go down, right, to, to go towards OBJ. Yeah. That was Tony Jefferson. So he's going down there. That's his responsibility. He's really the one that has OBJ on that play. And Marlon Humphrey is supposed to stay back in his third and steal seams. You know, some teams use their cover three corners. When you read two going vertical, we want you to steal the seam because the buzzing linebacker underneath will take the outside hitch route that you're yeah. talking about, the yep. four or five year. And he just got enamored with OBJ. And he yeah. saw OBJ stop and he said, oh gosh, they're going to throw it to him. I got to go make a tackle. Yeah. And he went, oh gosh, I forgot about my cover three responsibility. Right. And that's what happened. And that is the OBJ effect, certainly. And just like last week, in a similar kind of play that the Chiefs ran, they're leaving Earl Thomas in, in some tough positions. How do you think he's responding? How's he looking? Yeah, well, Earl Thomas, okay, is still good. Mm -hmm. But I don't think Earl Thomas is like, I don't look at Earl Thomas on film anymore and go, oh, well, he's special. He's all over the field. I mean, uh, I, I think Earl Thomas, again, and this is an all-time great, and this is a guy that's going to the Hall of Fame, and I'm not trying to be disrespectful, but he's, he's lost a step. Well, it, yeah, and the bar was so high. Yes. Well, only three years ago, I think he was probably the, the biggest difference maker in the back end. I, I, no doubt about three it. Three short years ago. Yes. I mean, him and Cam Chancellor will go down as some of the greatest safety combination duo in the history of the sport. It was mm -hmm. special. I mean, he was a, a, a speed guy with a, two rockets up his ass, and Cam Chancellor was like a linebacker who could cover like a safety. Right. So it was an unreal combination. But, yeah, I, I think he's still good. I don't think he's the difference maker he once was because because he's lost that sixth gear. So you don't see him flying around the field and making as many plays or affecting the quarterback in the pass game. Um, I think that like kind of hits it all, right? Did I miss anything else? Um, okay, you know what? One pet peeve here, okay? Yes. And Pete, call my dad, get him going. So, um, but one pet peeve I had, Your dad? and you might have saw this, but other than my dad, <laughs> he's been a pet peeve and a pain in my ass my whole life. I, and you probably saw this and probably like, what are we? What is he talking about here? But I wrote, 
How did NFL offenses survive yes. history? I didn't know if you were being... I'm being sarcastic yes, here. Yes, okay. Okay? With the extra guy in the box for the run game. Mm -hmm. Oh, how did the offenses ever survive without the RPO game? Right. Oh, gosh, there's an extra guy in the box. we got to throw the ball now. I mean, you know, like, I'm just sick of it. Because mm -hmm. I see on a weekly basis, and there was a handful of times in this game, where the RPO is called, and if he gives the ball to the running back, he's going to run for 20 yards. But because they made a rule, if the safety's in the box, we're going to throw it. Right. We're going we're gonna to try to jam a three-yard slant in there. Mm -hmm. Oh, so cool. Like, I just, enough. And when in doubt, the quarterback always throws it. That's the of other course. problem to yeah. course because that's what we do. We like to throw. And think about how much practice time you'd have to devote to getting that mesh down and not fumbling it. If, if you truly are going with a 50-50 run pass, yes, that's, that's a huge part of your valuable practice time to get that part down so you're not dropping the ball. No doubt. So, of course he's going to pull it out and throw it. Of course he is, right. Yeah. Anytime, maybe this is what quarterbacks are there to do. It's like, what does a linebacker do? Yeah. They tackle. They want to tackle yeah. when the running back's running at them. And, oh, it's play action. Well, a quarterback, you give him any opportunity to throw the ball, he's going to throw the ball more times than not. But I see it across the league, and I saw it a number of times in this game, and it drives me crazy. And this is the other my other issue with it. Like, mm -hmm. okay, I mean, we've been able to run the football with the extra guy in the box for a long, long time. The RPO just got here a few years ago. But also, the numbers, even with the extra guy in the box, especially in the shotgun, mm -hmm. are still in favor of the offense because the defense end is really not part of it because he's worried about the read right. option. Right. So he's sitting there doing nothing. So the numbers actually end up working out for the offense more times than not, but because they've made this, oh, the safety's in the box, i got to throw the backside slant. And I just look at games all over the NFL on a weekly basis and go, damn, that was a 20-yard run, but you know, they had to throw that slant route because right. of the RPO. You know, like, New England doesn't do that. <laughs> New England runs the ball. And then if the box is, like, so crowded, they have a check to throw the ball, mm -hmm. right? I mean, that's all there is to it. It's not going to be like, oh, we're going to leave it in Tom's hands to figure it out every time. No, I mean, sometimes if they just want to run the ball, they don't even give right. a shit. Oh, you got an extra guy in the box? Right. You know, oh, I, that's right. I'm Bill Belichick, and I played under Bill Parcells, and they had lots of extra guys in the box when Phil Simms was the quarterback of the Giants, and they wanted to run the ball. But somehow they ran it. Right. So, I don't know. I just had to go off on that. Well, it's taken on much more of a life than, than Wildcat, but I, I had the same feeling about the Wildcat, I'm like, this is so limited. What do you think they're going to do? Running back's going to keep the ball and run it, run it off tackle up the middle. Yeah. So on the RPO, of course, they're going to throw the ball. Yes. So I, yeah. So you're I with agree me. with you on all you're these points, me. but that, you know, well, that's all right. All right, that's good. Good. Like I'm glad we agreed there. All right. All right, so we got uh, we got a big one. Yeah, see you in right. South Bend. In yeah, a couple see days you in again. South Bend. Yeah. We see each other every Friday know, morning right? when we're meeting with the coaches. Okay, but Notre Dame versus Bowling Green Saturday at 3:30 Eastern on NBC. Number nine, Notre Dame coming off a dominant win over Virginia, which was a really exciting game. And Notre Dame's good, guys. Defense. Defense is special. Dominating, yeah. They have four NFL defensive ends. They can't even get them all on the field at the same time. Uh, and I'm sick of people hating on Notre Dame just because I don't know what they think. They're just like a, a bunch of smart kids who go to school and they play football in their spare time. No, they got studs all over the field. Uh, but we will be there. And I think Notre Dame's favored by 147 points in the game. And, or 46 and um, a half. Or 46 Something and a like half. Yeah, What's yeah. the difference? Once you go past 30, who cares? Yeah. Uh, but that will be Notre Dame on NBC, 3.30 Eastern time uh, on Saturday afternoon. All right. Hey, what's up, Big Daddy? Big Phil. 
Well, hey guys, uh, just listen to you. Yeah, I can't wait to tune in that Notre Dame Bowling Green game. It'll be high on the list. <laughs> oh, yeah, NBC people will be glad you said that. That's yeah, great. yeah, no, yeah. you keep selling it hard, you know, and then go to confession on Sundays. <laughs> okay. Um, you know, you know what I noticed listening to you two yeah. guys, Paul. You know what I? What's that? A lot of things drive my son crazy. You know, <laughs> yeah. It just drives me crazy. <laughs> <laughs> of course, did, hey. Did you hear what I, I was saying I, about the RPO? Oh my God! What if do you I feel about the RPO? One more. Here he comes across, and oh, I saw the linebacker move, Coach. So I threw the slant. <laughs> oh, with no kidding, he moved. He's got to move a little, but oh my. Well, whatever. That you know, it is an epidemic. It's like giving the quarterback here's the run play, but if the a corner is far off the far side receiver, you can just take the ball and throw it right. to him. Now, what is he going to do? Yeah, exactly. Well, Coach, he was I, – I thought I saw some daylight between him and the corners. So I figured, we'll throw it. Right. It, they always use it. Drive those numbers up. Get those throws in. You know, it's uh, – you know who you could teach that to to get the numbers up? Who? Josh Allen. Oh, mm. I Will hear you that. Please throw it in the flat. Yes. He, he, I think he New England said, you know what? Field. Don't cover him underneath yeah. because he won't throw it. <laughs> yeah. Okay, let's cover, let's triple cover everybody and just leave him. He won't throw it. Yeah. It's, I'm, of course, exaggerating, but. Not, not by, by a lot, though. Gosh, not by a lot. No. And that game, that game, not to get in that game, it was really intriguing. Yeah. To watch on TV. Yep. And even to watch, I watched it on Monday. What is today? Two, Wednesday? Wednesday, yes. So I saw it on Monday, and you know what it was? It was two really, really good defenses that are really smart that just took away everything from both teams. That's yes. Overall, that's what it really was. I mean, Tom Brady, all the, oh, I'm going to fake it and throw the, you know, the uh, in cut or this, whatever, element across the field. None of it was there. Running backs, forget it. Forget it. And it was, it was great. I mean, and, it, and once again, it, it said this: New England can do whatever they want up front because they don't have to worry. They can cover cover the back end. It's, right. It's the best defensive backfield in the NFL. Yeah. Don't even try to say another one. Right. Because and it's so well coached. Really far down the list. But you're you're right, Dad. And we're gonna do a little deep dive into this game. So I'm glad you're bringing it up. But you're right. It's very. And I know you and I had this conversation the other day a little bit. But it's it's weird because most defenses in football they go, oh, we're gonna do this and that with our front seven to help our secondary. And in New England, it's like the opposite. It's more like, no, our secondary's got it on lockdown, and now we can do all this crazy shit with our front seven that you can't prepare for and confuse you that way. And uh, I think that's kind of cool. And well, I, they have so many dual players right, up front. I right. mean, I, I can't even keep up with them. And Kyle Van Noy, I just, I've said all this stuff before, but... Yeah, he's a bust. He's a first rounder, right? In Detroit? No, he wasn't a first rounder. I'm going to say he's a second rounder. Yep. Out okay, of, well, out of BYU. how's that working out up in New England? Yes. Now he's a damn superstar. Right. You know, John Simon. Who is John Simon? Yeah, I, I remember. Mean, who's yeah. he? Yeah. Okay, yeah. Oh, J.C. Jackson, I think, was a free agent. Yeah, yeah. he's pretty good. Jason McCourty, he couldn't cover me when he was in Tennessee. But now he's a lockdown corner if he wants to be. Right. And, Phil, here's yeah. one for you. How, how does Jamie Collins come back? And just as good or maybe even better than he was the first time. Oh, he's time. better. He's better. How? But he's better. Well, one, listen, yeah, he, I was going to get to him, uh, Paul, because he would be up there. I don't know his numbers. I don't care. Yeah. I just know when I watch him. He's he everywhere. He's a factor everywhere. Right. right. They're using him. He's more versatile now in what they're doing on defense because it's changed since he was here. Yeah. And it, it goes to show you. 
players have to be put in the right positions to succeed. Bill Belichick doesn't say, oh, my defensive end has to be this guy. Right. He'll play three guys to get the job done. Right. Oh, you're good at this? Then I'll just put you in for that situation in these formations or whatever. You know, he fits his system to the player's strength, and it's it's really neat that way. So Jamie Collins, he, he's, been, he's really been terrific. But other guys, think of Olivier Vernon. Oh, you know, he gets out of the defense he's in up in New York, and look how he's playing. Yeah, right. And, and oh, wait. How's Shaq Barrett doing down there in Tampa Bay? No. Oh, my gosh. Only the NFL defense MVP. And the last one, it really drives. What is it about Robert Quinn that you wouldn't like? Right. I mean, he's like a really, and he's done his whole career. Mm-hmm. He's basically been steady, a good pass rusher with speed and all that. Couldn't play down in, um, you know, Miami. Miami but right. Hell, he, he he was keeping he was keeping the the Cowboys in the game the other night. Yeah. No, he right. was all over I mean, the place. I mean, it's great. So, you know, it, it just – just like quarterbacks, we don't give enough credit to who's coaching them, the system, the play calling. It just goes right to, well, a quarterback was really terrible. Right. And and you said it. I think you you maybe you said it to me. Or I saw you do it on TV. You, Jared Goff, you thought when you watched the game on TV it was terrible. Then you studied and you go, you know what? Okay, let me eat that. Yeah. Because right. it's the opposite. Right. TV does what to football? It lies. It lies. Yeah. <laughs> and, of course, commentators and everybody see it a way, different way, and then when you watch it yourself, you go, oh, my gosh, I have a whole different slant and feeling about the game. Yeah, no doubt about it. All right, so this is one thing, just because the Bills, I mean, the Bills defense, it is amazing. I want to just get Dad's opinion just generally. I mean, I don't think there's a defense that defends New England better right now than Sean McDermott. Do you, you feel pretty? Oh, well, that, that, that's, again, that, that don't even, you can't even – why bring the subject up? Because it's, it's, it's stupid. What is it they're no. doing, Phil? What is it they're well, doing? Well, he does everything kind of backwards. You know, a lot of people get their safeties back there and they roll them up and try to confuse him. Well, they get them up there and then roll them back. Yeah, right. And, and, and I tell you, they took away all their pet, their little pet plays. Yes, they did. And, and of course, they're so active and you know they do a lot of stuff. They they go, oh, this is going to be a rundown. So they do games and things up front. I just everything they do. Yeah. And they're taught well. Their techniques, in other words, it is a lot like New England. In other words, if you have a technique and you're supposed to be outside or whatever, they yeah. never break the rules. Right. And, Christopher, you said it right, too. I think they have great uh, tails and breakdowns uh, during the breakdowns week. of yeah. what the team is going to do in these formations. So the guys, not that they guess on what the play is going to be or the route, but they got a pretty dang good idea. Right. I did a game once. It's a quick story. In New England, yeah, and they said when they get in this formation, we told our backside corner to play the in cut and nothing else. Right. If he runs by you, we'll come out and say, get a mic and say, our fault. We told him, don't worry about it. Right. And I went, oh, it can't be that. He goes, it's a hundred percent. So right. I'm watching the game, and I did not bring it up. I kind of did it in a casual way, like, while well, they run a lot of in cuts on the backside or something like that. But it was a hundred percent. So they. Told their corner, play it every time, and right. we'll tell you what not to play it. Right. And it's, so, coaches, coaching is everything in the NFL, Paul. Mm-hmm. It really is. It, coaches make good players great, and they just know how to make it work and call all their plays at the right time. And it's the teaching. That's what it is, too. It's the teaching. Yep. The Buffalo Bills are right up there with the New England Patriots, how they're being taught 
on the defensive side. Right, no yeah. question. They got the best of Brady. I think statistically, we'll, we'll go back in January and say this was his worst game. However, uh, and on a day when both quarterbacks, Phil, were really poor on third down, New England had three key third down conversions. You know one thing in common with all three? There was a theme. What would you guess it was? Well, I, yeah, I don't know. I'm going to say he threw it to Edelman. I'm going to throw it to the back. Threw it to the running back. Yeah. Oh, all, he threw it to the running all back. Three, oh. All three third down conversions that mattered, Phil, went to a running back. And I watched this, and I'm just like, they've been doing this for years, whether right. it's Shane Vereen in a Super Bowl five years ago yeah. or White bail him out on Sunday. What is it they have figured out about, you know what, they can do all this stuff. They can do reverse things with their safeties, but – no one's going to cover the back consistently. It's like they're the one team that really has that figured out. Yeah, well, they do. Them in New Orleans because you know Alvin Kamara yeah, does Orleans, too, right? Alvin they're, Kamara, they're, yeah. they're up yeah. there. Um, yeah, it's part of – they just – they're going to play matchups and, and whatever the defense tells them to do, and then they're going to bring that part of their offense out in the inventory of it. Oh, mm-hmm. gosh, this is one of those days where we're not going to have receivers or tight ends. Oh, damn, okay, they're going to play like this. Ooh, okay, we might have to break open the, the running back inventory of our offense right. here. Yeah. And I think that's the big thing, along with Josh McDaniels. And I think out of those three plays, one was the wheel route you're talking yes. about right down yeah. the sideline, yeah. right? Yeah. Which was – really designed just for him from what I looked at. I couldn't tell because White and Phil, I, I, I would imagine you saw the same thing here, but yes, White came out of the backfield yeah. and he hesitated for a second. Right. I was wondering, is he waiting to see if 58 blitzes or is he just giving him the okey-doke and oh, setting him up? Oh, he's giving the okey-doke. Yes. Just setting him up. Oh, just yeah, setting yeah, him up. Yeah. He's free-releasing no matter what, but because he was on the end of the line of scrimmage, he knew he wasn't just going to be able to beat him with straight speed if he right. just showed his hand okay. right away. So he kind of ran out him and gave him the old yeah, stutter, yeah, bounce, yeah. bounce, and then hit it again yeah. because and Brady was, if you look at the play, before he points at the linebacker that's supposed to cover James White, which is Matt Milano, who's yep. a phenomenal yeah. football player. Yeah, I mean, this is one of the best linebacker duos in yeah. football, those two, him he and covered Ed- him Edwards. He did. Well, covered him well. Yeah, but what he's telling him, too, just in case, hey, just in case that 58, is, maybe he's dumb and forgets and blitzes yeah. by accident, yeah. you got to give me eyes because okay. I'm not protected and they might right. have to throw it quickly. Yeah. But as soon as he saw I'm not blitzing, he set him up and he runs the route. And then McDaniels is awesome at throwing screens. I think a few of that the third downs were screens down. yeah, on third down. Third and long. He has a yeah. great feel for, ooh, okay, they're doing this here. They're running games like Dad said up front. Let me see if I can catch them out of position and throw a screen. Right. I didn't yeah. mean to you cut know, you the, off that. That's I don't know. the new right. thing. I noticed two teams. The, uh, of course, New England does it with their running backs. But if you watch the Chiefs, now they don't do it as much because they, they got all these other guys to throw it to. But they have their running backs come out, come out and do, like you said, Paul, the okie-dokie. Yeah. And all of a sudden it's a little stutter step, and then boom, they go. And I think it was – uh, uh, let's see, who was it? It was McCoy, I think, who did it one game. and I saw, I saw it twice. Yeah. And the other time with Williams, I just go, my gosh, I, I even said it on TV. Everybody in the offense has a, a not a double move, but a stutter. They don't, like, do double moves because that's too slow. Right. They do just a quick little change of pace. You flick their head or whatever it is, and they go. Right. And it's like they bury their head. It's a new way to play. You know, guys run. They just run. And it's, it's the Rams, when they're going across the field, they are running as fast as they can mm-hmm. run. Right. And, it, it, and it's hard. I watch the defensive backs and go, they can't keep up because they keep expecting, you know, they're, they're not used to that. There's a few teams that I think they're teaching their receivers just a new way to play the game. Right. And it, it's really pretty cool. Right. Yeah. 
Phil, I, 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 two questions yeah. for your dad. Yeah. Keeping with the the uh, running backs catching the ball in the passing game, Phil, can you remember anything back to when you were being coached by Bill Parcells and and Bill Belichick was listening to a lot of this that, that, that can tie together what they do with the running backs in the passing game now to things maybe you were ahead of the ahead of the game with back in the 80s and early 90s? No, no, we were never ahead of the game in the passing game. That's for sure. <laughs> uh, but no, no, you know, listen, no, we. We th- I threw it to the running backs more than I thought. Yeah. Once somebody showed me, I said, oh, wow, we did dump it off a lot because it was really deep routes, and if it's not there quick, get rid of it, whatever. The one thing we definitely brought to the uh, their offense, which Bill Belichick does to this day, and very few games, maybe this past game is the first time that I've maybe ever watched the tape of the New England Patriots so they didn't do it, but all the same plays right. by the tight end, right. whoever it is, the running back, stuff like that. And it always happens for the Patriots. You know, I don't know what their mark is. It's probably inside the 35, but usually inside the 30. Look out. They're going to find a way to get somebody going down the seam. Right. And, of course, they did it with Gronk, and they did it before. But then when they got Hernandez, then they, they started doing it the double. Lots of their – then it was like a mainstay of their offense. Right, right. And to this day, everybody still tries to run those plays, but they created it just like they've created this running back um, – uh, phenomenon throwing the football to them, but of course they know they're going to do this. They mm-hmm. draft people to fit their system that way, and they love guy. Hey, the running back—they're not going to draft the running back that can't catch and run a little too and do other things for them. Yeah. So, uh, all right. So wait here. I just want to—I want to piggyback off this and just mm-hmm. hear what Dad even thinks about it because I don't think we've ever talked about this. But like to what you're saying, mm-hmm. like the passing offense, the running back, all of that. And Dad probably got a little bit at the end of the career with Dave Meggett, who got involved a little bit. But yeah, we started that too. You did. You just started. You just started. That. That's why I was going to say it. But like, I was going to go to this and tell me if you agree with me or if I'm wrong here. But really, I mean, of course, a lot of their offenses stuff from Dad ran with Ron Earhart, and then Charlie Weiss was there. You know, yeah. Charlie Weiss was on that. So there's there's base of what Dad was doing with the Giants that the Patriots do. But the rest of the offense now with the 9 million different ways to throw yeah. to the running back or Edelman over the middle is really, from my knowledge of the situation, is concocted by Bill Belichick. That's It's Bill Belichick going, well, if I was in this defense, mm-hmm. I wouldn't want to see this. Mm. Yeah. Right? If I was playing this defense, this is what gives me problems. And they've grown their inventory of offense off of Belichick that way. And right. McDaniels is smart and knows how to find a creative ways to continue to do it and find other ways off of it. But I don't know if Dad agrees with that, but that's just kind of what yeah, I always do. thought. Yeah, I do. I think right. that's a hey, look. I, I think there's been a lot of defensive coordinators have given great ideas to offensive guys going, hey, look, I don't want to see this. It, I, I don't sleep at night because I think of this situation. Why aren't we doing it? And, of course, the offensive coordinators go, yeah, it makes sense. Right. And it's, it's pretty cool that way. The screen game by the Patriots, that is, you know, I think all that is Josh McDaniels, of course. But the formations and using all kinds of different pay- players, they won the Super Bowl last year because they were able to come out and use a group of people and do something that very few teams do. And they did it, and they caught the Rams a little by surprise, even though it's not as not like they were wide open every time, but it, it won the game for them. And they ran the same play with a different personnel group at the end of the game. Yeah, you're talking. You you're talking seen the, yeah, go ahead. I was just going to well, explain. No, I'm going to say this. Yeah. If you haven't seen the documentary right. or whatever you want to call it with uh, Belichick and uh, Josh McDaniels talking about the Super Bowl, it's not good. 
It's fantastic. Is it on? I haven't seen it. Yeah. They it, go through. It's I amazing. Don't... During the game, oh, we did this three times. They did this. So why don't we do this? I mean, so in other words, like, real quick, I'll say it. But did we do this? Did I talk about this? No. You know what? You talked to me. You told me to watch this, and I have yet to see it. This oh, is, so this is, well, they, yeah. oh, okay. Well, they blitzed. They crowded the line of scrimmage with everybody, and they blitzed um, the Los Angeles Rams offense. So the Rams said, oh, my God, we can't pick that up. So they brought in their running back. They were hitting spread, five wides, and they brought a receiver in, and they started. They blocked it up. And right. he says, well, let's get in that formation now, then bail out of it. Right. So they did it a couple times, and the Rams went, okay, now we got it. They're going to do it, and they're going to bail out, so let's don't bring them in. So what did they do? They're talking to the sideline. Well, we've bailed the last couple times. They think we're going to do it again. Let's That's send blitz them. this time. Right, and, right. And that ended up being the interception at the end of the game that won it because Jared Goff, you know, really kind of fell down as he was trying to throw the ball because they timed the blitz up so perfectly and got to him so quick that he couldn't even look down the field and see what do you think the corners did on that blitz. Gilmore made the interception, right? Right. I'm pretty yeah. sure. Yeah. He was way off. That way, you know, he knew what was going to happen so he could watch the throw and everything, and I don't think Brandon Cooks ever saw the football in the air. Yeah. So, yeah. really, but it's more than that. There's just so many things. Belichick going, where's Sean McVay? Where is he? I can't find him. Because <laughs> he must have had a tale about Sean McVay calling, who knows what, I don't know. But I just thought that was funny, too. Right. And his little speeches to the team, you know, Here's what we got. 12 plays to win the game. That's all we got It's 12. Do your job. Don't screw it up. And da-da-da. And pay attention. And, you know, all the – of course, that was the clean version. I've heard the real version, which was awesome. And <laughs> did, <laughs> so, you ever, uh, but, did you ever – But it was really good. And, you know, just, it just goes to show you – I tell people all the time when I go out, football players, to be great, you've got to be smart. And, yeah. and that's what – I think even Wade Phillips said it. I heard it a couple of weeks ago. He goes, "Just give me a bunch of smart guys. We'll do okay." Yeah. Did you? you know, didn't didn't talk about the talent as much as he did. Yes, I know. I want them to have some talent, mm-hmm. but if they really know what to do here, we can really put them in the right position to have even better success than their talent probably would let them otherwise. Yeah. Right. I'm so. wondering if there was ever a point, Phil, when you were playing for the Giants, where you realized that Bill Belichick had this thing figured out pretty well, and maybe you leaned on him or had after-practice conversations with him about how you could do your job better based off of how well you understood he was doing his. Yeah, no, no. It was, you know, listen, that was so long ago. It was hard. He was, you know, not much older than me. So, but we did talk from time to time. Anytime the, uh, we faced a left-footed uh, punter from the other team, he would ask me to stay out after practice and punt. And I'd go, okay. But, you know, after like 30 punts, I'm like, Bill, my leg is starting to hurt because I kick left-footed. And he wanted the returners to get used to the ball turning over a different way. He was great at always walking up to me before warm-ups. Hey, it's windy today. What do you think of that guy down there? And I go, oh, he is going to be so afraid to throw the ball outside. He goes, yeah, I don't think he can. I said, he won't. He won't, Bill. He goes, good. I didn't think so. You know, he'd always like want reaff- me to reaffirm what he was thinking about. Because we played in so many windy games. Right. And I would say, hey, so-and-so, I know he's afraid to throw the ball in this. And he'd go, yeah, you're right. You know, it was kind of like, you know, our little dirty secret. We would laugh about it mm-hmm. and uh, things like that. But, no, every once in a while he would actually give me a little bit of a pep talk about our offense and just go, hey, look, I know this and this. Just hang in there. You're doing fine. And, you know, it was really cool that way. Yeah, that's and, great. And it's, uh, 
you know, I think our relationships kind of stayed that way um, ever since, uh, you know, especially when I was doing all those games up there. My gosh. Right. Yes. Yeah, now, you want it lasting. You want pressure? Sit in a meeting with Bill Belichick before a game <laughs> and up there on a Friday. And when you start talking about stuff, you better have the answer. Because I said to him once, I said, you know, you played uh, this front and you did this and with this guy, why? He goes, well, you didn't do that. Just did. I went, oh, my God, I almost, I like broke out in a sweat. Hmm. Well, uh, yes, you did. And he goes, no, we didn't. I said, well, I, hell, I, I started thinking, I go, you did. You played it and I gave him the thing. He goes, oh, okay, that's right. Yeah, I forgot that. You're right. Okay, I'll give you. I'm sorry. You know, I'm like, oh, God. <laughs> but he, He's famous for doing that to mm-hmm. announcers. Mm-hmm. He will quiz you to make sure you know what you're talking about. Right. And yeah. so that that was really n- not fun. But <laughs> when I did all those New England games, I did study a little extra harder those weeks than I did some Kept of the other ones. Kept on your toes. Yeah, yeah. that. All right, And Dad. what's my last thing? What? What's my last gripe? Tell me what it is. Oh, I got to tell you. Please, I, I would love to hear a Phil. Oh gripe. my God! It's just <laughs> you, you know how could they put Dwayne Haskins in the game? Oh. How could they do that? Why wouldn't you know, they? all they did the week before, everybody I'm watching the game on Monday night played Dwayne Haskins. Well, they put him – why play him against the Chicago Bears? Let's put him in against one of the worst defenses in the league. But, no, that was wrong. That was wrong. Now, why was that wrong? I don't know either. Because it didn't go well? Right. Is that why? Right. I, but Monday night they wanted him played. Yeah. And then, then this week, they the following, that Sunday – Case Keenum's not feeling well. Didn't I? Don't he had to be a little banged up? Right. They put him in, but that was the wrong thing to do. So I don't. I'm just trying to figure it out. You yeah. Know? Yeah. I hear you. I uh, I noticed the same thing too, and uh, I I read you. I, I got you. It was you. a great time to put him in. I thought, right. hey, it's the giant defense. They yes. might start him. Right. Yeah. And everything. So now, of course, I don't know what they're doing this week. I don't think. And, yeah, they don't know either. I just read uh, Jay Gruden's podcast. He said they have no. Or, uh, his his his. He, he had no plan. He had no plan as of right now. So we'll, well see. Well, that happens. might be the best plan of all. Just You're right. No it's plan. only Wednesday. You're right. Because you don't want to be the quarterback facing New England Patriots. Right. <laughs> you play for Washington this week, so <laughs> yeah. this is one of those weeks that go. So and so, you're starting. The other two go. Yeah, that's good. He deserves it. <laughs> <laughs> oh well, right. that's it. You guys have a great day. Good All right, Dad, you the man. See I'm ya. going down to. I'm going down to Jacksonville to in, interview. Oh, the, the savior Gardner. of the universe. Who's that? Gardner Minshew. Yep. Is he really? Yes. Uh, yeah, I'm, pe- there, I'm going to get on a plane here in a couple hours. Go down there and interview him. And you have a list of questions, Phil? Or are you just like off the top of your head, just just start in? How do you, how do you do that? Oh, I always playing a little bit, yeah, yeah, sure. You know, and of course, I've watched his, all of his games and everything, and I've done that anyway, so that's going to be fun. And I've I've learned a lot about him just asking a few people, and I, I love it. I, I don't know where it was, or a reporter, or to combine, he walks in and goes, yeah, I know, I'm not tall enough, and yeah, I'm not a great athlete, and I have just, you know, my arm's not like a rocket, but I'm going to play in the NFL. <laughs> and that was just like his opening statement. And So you got to like that, and man... He, he did make some great plays against the Denver Broncos this past week. Most importantly, Phil, did. most importantly, yeah. b- based off of what we expect Gardner might wear, what are you going to wear? No, I'm not. You know, I think the first thought was, would you wear cut-off shorts? Oh, would you wear, I love that. Jean would jacket? you wear a shirt with the sleeves cut off? Now, I might do that, uh, but I'm not wearing cut-off shorts to see my big old white legs. <laughs> and and uh, But, no, you know what it is? Everybody's talked about all the things. It's time to just really talk about the football player. Right. 
and let's let, let's get off the it's a novelty act. Mm-hmm. It, it, I think it's more than that. Of course, we know that he's going to be in there for a while, and let's just talk more about the football and see why. Hey, he can't play at East Carolina, but he can lead the nation in passing at Washington State and be drafted. So. Yeah, that's right. I don't know what they're doing in East Carolina. They must have some hell of a quarterback over there. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. that's, that's another story we'll talk about later. All right, Dad. You All right, man. see you guys. All right, man. See have you, a Phil. good trip. See ya. East Carolina. I think Jeff Blake played there. Yeah, he did. He threw a great deep ball. He did. Oh, he threw a great deep ball. Threw yeah. it high as hell. Yeah. yeah, yep. I mean, I and I, I, I like Gardner Minshew, and I've been one saying right. that they have a chance to win games with him as quarterback. Mm-hmm. I don't like that I watch highlights on Sunday and Monday, mm-hmm. and – the MVP of the football game was Leonard Fournette, yeah. and they don't show one highlight of him on any highlight you watch. He ran yeah. for 230 yards, all and all we see is yeah. three plays from Gardner Minshew, yeah. and that's where it pisses me off, just because you know me. I'm, I'm sick of this, like, the quarterback's the only guy that gets the credit, but he's doing a phenomenal job, and I don't want to take that away from him. Right. All right. That was good. That was good stuff. I See, I, I love talking dad, to my dad like that. I like that. your dad every time, but I think it was – Well, was... because he's my dad, and he yeah. doesn't tell me these stories sometimes until somebody else asks him. Right. Uh, that's just the way he is. Yeah. So I usually end up hearing stories with strangers around, and people like – strangers are like, oh, you've probably heard this story a million times. I'm like, actually, no, I've never <laughs> heard him say this because if I ask them these questions on the couch, you're like, oh, oh, shit. Oh, shit, Christopher, I can't remember. I don't know. <laughs> shit. Oh, it was too long ago. But then when there's a crowd around, he all of a sudden. He comes alive in the phone. He comes the alive. Though, oh, yeah, if there's a microphone or a crowd, his memory yeah. gets a lot better. <laughs> he's right. come up sometime. He's actually. Yeah, we're going to get him up. Right. We might have him up in a few weeks, actually. Okay. We're, we're, we're trying to figure some things out. Are we going Raiders Colts? Um, yeah, I guess we don't really have to hit anything on Patriots Bills, right? All the, This is all I want to say. There's nobody to better defending the Patriots offense than Sean McDermott, just like yeah. you heard Dad say. They have no weakness to their defense. Yep. Their linebacker duo is as good as any in the sport, those two. I mean, it is up there with anybody, Edmonds and, and Milano. They are phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Their front four, as we talk about with a lot of good front fours, they can do anything. They have the great depth to go, oh, we got to play fast. It's third down. We need to, oh, we got plenty of guys to do that. Oh, we got to get big, and New England's getting them big. Oh, we can get big too. So they have great versatility there. It's just such a well coached defense. Belichick does it a little through man coverage. Yeah. McDermott does it through zone coverage, but it all comes back to like what Dad said their techniques and their ability to break down the opposing offense. Right. And that's where they're special. But they're going to lead them to a 9 and 7, which is nice. Yeah. Type record instead of 12. 12 and 4 unless Josh Allen starts playing better. Your dad talked about him a yes. little bit. I wanted to get him back to that, but we never we didn't really have time. Yeah, I know. He was going to we different had places. too many stuff, right? If you had one day, if you had right. one day with right. Josh Allen this week to right. watch that tape. Yeah. What's the message you would want to get across to him? N- know your team. Know the game. Like Know that you have a good defense and that you do not need to be rolling right trying to throw 50-yard lasers down into triple coverage. It's mm-hmm. just it's not one of those games. Tom Brady's the greatest of all time. He's over there struggling right now because yeah. he's playing your defense. It's right. good. So don't you know fall into the trap and give them the ball at the 50-yard line because of a dumb interception. Mm-hmm. I mean that's one of their drives for for a score. You know they gave him a short field on another turnover. So just. You know, he just has to rein it in. It's just a little too crazy. Good way of saying and it. And he yeah. got he got out of hand in that game. And really, it's what ultimately caught him to get get hurt too. Right. You know, it's just he saw the Red Sea part. Oh, I'm gonna run mm-hmm. and just go. 
Right. And it's just, hey, it's, I know you're a stud and you're physically gifted and he, he wants to win and do the right things. Right. But it's the NFL. It's a different animal. It's not Wyoming anymore. You're not going to run over nickel defensive backs and linebackers like you used or to. Or throw it 40 yards downfield. Yeah, with right. two safeties with in one JC corner. With J.C. Jackson there, yeah. and McCourty all around, they're going right. to get it. So, yeah, that, that, that was just the big thing overall there. Other thing, too, that we got to remember. Yep. They run, new, they run a base version of New England's offense. Brian Dayball, the offensive coordinator, is uh, a New England guy. But it, it didn't look like New England at all. No, it didn't. It, I mean, it didn't look like it. They're a really base version of New England. Mm-hmm. And, yes, it's not on New England's level yet either way. But, I mean, one of the first things I wrote out, or early in the film, just to say, is, you know, I wrote BB, as in Bill Belichick, knows the Bills' offense as good as the Bills know it. He knew, he knew. He knew what the past concepts were. He, he had the breakdown of, oh, they're in this formation. They do these three or four things. Do you things. think he was taking away the underneath and forcing him to throw no, it deep? No, no, I don't necessarily. I Trying think to he, give Josh a little bit. Yeah, of no, no, no. Josh missed some underneath. He needs yeah. to just throw it underneath or throw it away or do something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think he did two things. He, was, he went into that game and said, I'm not going to let him throw it deep. We're going to have people back there, okay? Yeah. And I think the other thing he said is he's not going to run right on me, just like he did to Patrick Mahomes. He was not going to let Josh Allen make a living of running and make it a game that way to where, oh, he scrambles for 15 yards, and then he scrambles and buys 10 seconds and throws a ball for 20 yards, and then, you know, oh, okay, then he is in the pocket. You know, he wasn't going to let that be the theme of the game. He was going to keep Josh Allen in the pocket and say, Prove to me you can beat me that way, and of course he, he did not. He couldn't. It was a classic case of veteran quarterback and a young quarterback, both probably having, I think, what will prove to be their worst days of the year. Yeah. Brady found a way to win right. in a bad day. Definitely. Where Allen wasn't even close. No. I mean, Brady Brady played the, what, the, he played the correct way. Yeah. He said, ooh, this is a tough day. They're good. Right. My defense is good, too. I, when I'm about to get crushed, I'm yeah. going to throw it to the guy's when it's feet. Third or, and 15, I'll take this gain of six and punt it exactly away. Exactly right. Did that a couple yes. of times. Yes. I mean, and, yeah. and, you know, we're all going to sit here and go, well, he threw the interception in the red zone. Well, I mean, hey, Buffalo's Happens. got players, too. Yep. I mean, they made, the guy made a good play. He was kind of off the, on the underneath guy. He saw Brady getting ready to gear up to throw to the guy behind him, and he jumped off his guy and got in the way. I mean, yeah. Brady's not like not, never going to make a mistake again. Right. Yeah, but he, uh, you're right. He played the game the right way. Right. All right, here we go, Roto World. Roto World is here to save the day. Okay, Josh Norris and the Roto World guys, okay, will help you win your fantasy league. Listen to them. As I always say, don't text me, don't call me. I'm not telling you anything about fantasy. I don't know. These guys are all over it. Uh, Sunday Night Podcast covers the takeaways, both fantasy and real life, all the big storylines from every game on Sunday. And then as the week goes on, they have podcasts that'll tell you who to play, who to sit, whatever it may be. And it's more than just fantasy with these guys. I'm just telling you, they really know their crap. They know X's and O's too. Uh, They got great knowledge of talents of players and how they're used within their schemes. It's really worth the listen uh, if you're trying to get a little like uh, beat on the fantasy world and try to get some knowledge. I would suggest you listen to the Roto World Football Podcast. All of them are really smart, especially that Josh Norris guy. Did you go the route of, of playing fantasy this year? Do you have no, a team? I did not. No. No. One of these years, I'm going to do it. I always, I'm, I'm a little intrigued by it, but then when it gets into like roster shuffling and shit like that, and yeah. I'm like on a 25 day run of yeah. like no days off because of Notre Dame and all that, I'm like, thank God I didn't do fantasy football. <laughs> 
Thank God. Okay, Raiders Colts. Yeah. In the interest of full disclosure, all the other games that you yeah. said we're going to cover. Yeah. Spent a lot of time watching. Had a yeah. good time with them. Right. Didn't make it to this one. Yeah. So that's okay. What's the headline? You most important things I have to know about Raiders Colts. Be most important things you have to know. You're right. And there's nothing here glaring X's and O's wise that I sit here and just go, oh gosh. Okay. The biggest thing of the day to me, more than anything, I think would be on the Raiders defense. First of all, the Raiders D line, mm -hmm. their ability to Handle the Colts O-line in the run game, I think, was a little surprising to me. Okay? That that right off the bat. I That's where I really scared with the, the Raiders in general. I thought they were going to get steamrolled by the great blue wall of right. Indianapolis there. Uh, no. They played well. You know, uh, P.J. Hall, Hankins, Lugit, Hurst, they did a lot of things to disrupt that run game. Now, there was some mistakes early on that I think – I do think that the Colts got away from their run game a little in general. But – you know, overall, the offense for the Colts, some untimely penalties, some drop passes, um, I think being a little impatient with the run, and then, of course, throwing a pick six at the end of the football game. That gave them seven points. They were in field goal range on another series, and Paris Kemble fumbled a wide receiver screen. That would have gone down to like fourth and two, fourth and one. Who knows? Frank Reich, he might have gone for it. Mm -hmm. But either way, they tentatively, I could say, left 10 points on the field just right there uh, with a no-op field goal opportunity and, of course, the, the pick six. So that was the big thing. But the big thing I will take away more than anything on the Colts offense, just this, I'll say this. With no T.Y. Hilton, they are a different offense. They don't have a difference maker yet. Mm. They got a lot of good. I think Paris Campbell has the ability to be a difference maker. From what I see on film, I mean, he has a chance to be special because he can fly, but he's just getting back in there. But no guy to take pressure off of things when things are tough. Nobody and they have to worry about. Nobody they have to worry about. Mm -hmm. Nobody that, okay, this defense is having a good day and, you know, they're doing a good job tackling. Who's going to be the guy that's going to make somebody miss and then make another guy miss and break down the sidelines for 40 yards to change the field position? Right. Without him, there's, there's no guy there. There's a lot of good, don't get me wrong. Mm -hmm. But I don't know if there's any game changers on that offense other than T.Y. That would be my, my, one of my big takeaways. We both like game. Frank Reich a whole lot. Yes. It's something he could do uh, to go next level and show, you know, I'm not just pretty good at this, I'm really good, to be effective without a real difference. Maybe. Yeah, no, I, 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 I still I think he is next level. I really do. I mean, Frank Reich is on the verge for me as a true offensive play caller and play designer, he's almost on the, the tier of the elite to me. That's awesome praise. Yes. So what can he do Yeah. I yes. his current personnel? No, I, I think what he's got to do per, per, uh, current personnel is rely on that run game more. I think without a guy like T.Y. Hilton, mm -hmm. you know, to me, they have a special offensive line. Uh, find more ways to run the football that way. It's only going to help some of the matchups in the back end, help Jacoby Percet. But I don't ever come away from their games going, Mm, they lack creativity, mm -hmm. or, ooh, I wish they would have done this. For the most part, I'm usually pretty on board with what Frank Reich does. I go, ooh, I see the logic. I get what he's doing here. That's pretty creative. They let him down. You know, with the turnovers, like we said, you know, a number of drop passes, I think those were really the, the, the big issues of the day, added to the fact that John Gruden got off to a hot start play calling. Mm. I mean, it was a phenomenal first drive, okay? Um, and then the start of their second drive, they did a little like fake toss reverse to Trevor Davis, and he ran for a 50-something yard touchdown. So they, before the Colts even got into the game, 
they looked up at the scoreboard and were like, damn, we're down 14 nothing. Yeah. You know, and we, we well, had the ball once, and we're down 14 nothing. Is Gruden a guy that can get hot like a three-point shooter? Definitely can. That way? Definitely can. And he's a master. I'd always be scared of him in the first 10, first 12, first 15. Whatever one's working for him, he'll pick one of those numbers. Like, if the first 10 didn't work one week, yeah. he'll change it the next week and go, <laughs> we're going to the first 11. Yeah, just like because he's, like, crazy like that. Yeah. But, yes, he had a great game plan early on. Um, you know, and I think – a little bit, if I just had to say one thing again here about the Colts. They're well they're well coached, okay? Uh, I do question if they're big enough up front. Do they have enough size when a team wants to play smash mouth? Do they have enough size to stop those type of teams? I don't know. The other thing is, I don't know, just like the offense, don't know if there's a game changer on their defense mm. at any level. You know, maybe Darius Leonard, and he wasn't playing, and he's hurt. He's special. He's really good. I get that. But a lot of good on the D-line, a lot of good in the secondary, but not nobody good enough to where you're going, man, we're changing our game plan. Mm-hmm. We can't do that. We can't block that defense end like that. we got to change it. We can't do that because so-and-so receiver can't get open against that DB. He's that good. we got to come up with a new – they don't have any of that. And that would be my one issue with their defensive roster is, you know, they're coached well. They run that Cowboys defensive scheme. They're sound. They very rarely mess up. They hustle the ball. They tackle. They do all those things. That's great. That's good. But I don't know if that's going to beat the elite teams in the NFL. That's what I worry about. I do think they need to do something schematically to give their players a little bit more of an advantage. It can't just be always, this is what we do, and we're mm-hmm. not going to mess it up, and we're going to hustle and play hard. It's just That's just not realistic. Again, it may be if you're the Dallas Cowboys – who got pro bowlers right. all over the field yep. at all three levels. They can get away with it. You know, we just talked about Dan Quinn, and there's Dexter Lawrence, and, you know, you get into the linebackers. We know they're studs. And, oh, damn, it's Byron Jones at corner, and Awuzie's at corner. Damn, they're both amazing. So they can do that and play simple and get away with it. I don't think the Colts can, and I think that's one thing that jumped out to me about the game in general. Okay. Yeah, I think that hits it all for that. I don't know if there's anything else special. Um yeah, the Colts, I do wish they can't play man-to-man. That bothers me. Uh, hey, Josh Jacobs is getting better every week. Gruden staying patient with the run, I thought, was one of the big keys to that football game as well. Uh, I would like to see them throw the ball down the field a little bit it's more. It's not easy for him to do, is No, it? it's not. He yeah. can go through phases, though, because he'll convince He'll keep telling himself, pound the rock, pound the rock, pound the rock. Mm-hmm. And uh, I would say it's been one of his strengths the last two years, at least staying the attempts – sometimes can be more important than the yards. Right. Right? Just the attempts. Because mm-hmm. now your defense is going, okay, i got to always think about the run. I can never just wipe it off my brain. Right. And you're helping the O-line. You're doing a lot of things by just the attempts to keep mm-hmm. a defense honest rather than just, oh, we're going to drop back and throw it, you know, 60 times. Reminded me, I wanted to bring this up during the Browns-Ravens discussion, but we went so many other different ways. But yeah. Nick Chubb getting a lot of credit for that 88-yard touchdown run. It, it was great. It was right. a good scheme. He talked about it. But if you remove that play, 19 carries, 77 yards, doing exactly what you want them to do with that offensive line. Yes. Keeping the defense honest and ripping off four yards to carry anyway right. with almost 20 carries in the game. Yeah. Awfully good. But you're right. And then that leads to what? Baker Mayfield throwing for 340 Getting yards. Getting under and, center. Yeah, under center. And right. you see, oh, well, gosh, now we're a little worried about the run game. They're staying with it today. Yep. You know, all of a sudden the linebackers are a safety or whatever else. Mm-hmm. He messes up a coverage and there's a seam going down the middle of the field, whatever it may be. All right, yeah, I think we hit that one. I don't think there's anything more in that one that's, like, truly, truly, like, big news or anything that I see in my notes where I go, oh, yeah, that was a difference in the football game. 
Peter King, what's he up to these days? Yeah, well, you know, the old Peter King. Good job leading me into that because I can't follow along, obviously. See, that's what happens when I read my new an notes. Assist. An uh, assist. Peter yeah. King podcast. Um, Peter's a man. Come on. Living legend, Hall of Famer. Uh, this week, he's got his updated power rankings, and he has Texans wide receiver Kenny Stills on the show. That should be interesting to talk about because they were a little lackluster on the offensive side of the ball themselves this week. But Peter King podcast available where all podcasts are found. Check that out. And as you know, his football morning in America is one of the best columns there is. And there's an abbreviated podcast that goes over all that stuff every Monday as well. Somebody's producing because you mentioned Texans. All right. Before we go. We yeah. Have a, it's called Newsreel here. We want yeah. to get to a couple of Twitter questions sure. about the Texans. Let's do that. Da Texans. Da Texans. Watson and the Texans O-line. There has to be some details we're missing here beyond the O-line not playing well. Poor play or bad play calls? Well, okay. So, first thing is, the Panthers' D is real. The Panthers' defense is good. And I'm, I'm, and I'm saying that. I don't even know where they're ranked, and I'm going to look as we're doing this show. Okay? Mm -hmm. Here we go. But I'm just going with my eye and just off the top of my head – uh, that the Panthers' defense is real, and I just want to see their stats. Oh, they're the fourth in the NFL. Okay, so Chris was right. You're talking it, about yards or points? Uh, yards. Okay. Points, okay. Points, they are, point. points, they are at number 11. Okay. So they're, it's, it's good. It's a good defense, obviously. Yep. I mean, they're fourth in football. They're only letting them 156 yards a game in the pass game. So mm. that tells you a lot. And just to let you know, that's the number one pass defense in football. Okay. Secondary and they played the Rams. Front. Yeah, that's right. They played the Texans. Yeah. They've played the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, who we just saw 55 points. Mm -hmm. So I think there's something we have to recognize about the Panthers' defense. And you know the scheme they run. It's the Sean McDermott scheme, who came from Carolina. Right. It is really well thought out. It's smart. It's game plan specific zone coverages, right? You heard Deshaun Watson talk about the cover four and cover four, right. right? All that. Yes, they play a lot of cover four and some versions of different things off of that. But I think that's the first thing we got to give credit to. Them having Bruce Irvin back, Paul, mm -hmm. now with Brian Burns and a Mario Edison on the edge, like they have a little bit of a rotation of a pass rush now where you go, ooh, okay, gosh, there's some some freaks over here they mm -hmm. got to worry about, let alone they got the two stud middle linebackers and Keekly and Shaq Thompson, and they got big people in the middle, and then they're well coached in the back end. So that's the big thing I would say just to start off that conversation. The Carolina's defense. Carolina's was that defense good. is really good. But we're going to keep hammering on getting to the Texans' offense. Yes. Max Mulcahy wants yeah. to know Texans' offensive game plan or lack thereof. Yes. What's, what's going on? Okay, no, it's lack thereof, I would say, more than anything. Okay? I – come away underwhelmed with the Texans' offensive game plan more weeks than not. Even with, even with Deshaun. Well, I know. And I, I, he falls under the, the category for me of they ask him to do too much with just his physical ability. There's just not enough served up to him to go, hey, here's a few easy completions every game. Mm -hmm. It's always like, hey, your easy completion is the 30-yard cross route. And if he's covered, we'd like you to just, you know, kind of jam it in there, and and DeAndre'll catch it. Right. You know, you you guys got a good, you guys got a good rhythm going. Just you know, throw one of those lasers you throw at the back of the defender's helmet, and and DeAndre'll catch it. Oh, okay, no problem, coach. So there's too much of that going on. Let alone, they have, yes, not a great offensive line. Uh, not a great, great running tack. I would say I think the Texans, just as I newsreeled that game and I didn't get into every detail, 
This, they would be one of those teams where I go, they got away from the run too early in this game. The Panthers called their bluff. They played pass like the whole game. They really did. They were kind of like, oh, yeah, you're, you're in a running set underneath the center. We don't believe you'll run it. You'll play action or drop back to pass. I would bet you the Texans are another team that I would tell you, Paul, to say, please go underneath the center more because the only time they go underneath the center is to run a play-action pass. That's mm. one of the tells I have on them. They're under the shotgun, shotgun, shotgun. You underneath the center, oh, it's play-action pass. I can guarantee it. They're, that's all they're going to do. They're never going to drop back from there. They don't ever do anything other than play-action pass when Deshaun Watson goes underneath the center. But lack of creativity in the passing schemes uh, – and because of that, Carolina knew their passing schemes and, like I said, appropriately drops guys in the right area to make life very hard. Getting back to the Panthers' yeah. defense, yeah. at James Best wants to know more about the cover four defense if people don't understand it quite well enough. Sure. So, uh, lay it out there for us what cover four is. Right. Okay, so cover four is it just as it sounds, right? Your four DBs, your two corners, your two safeties, it's quarters coverage. Every, every guy has – a quarter of the field if you just went straight back. But what's different about quarters is safeties don't just go straight back like on the snap. If a, if a tight end runs a, let's say, a 12-yard just curl it up route, mm -hmm. the quarter safety is taught to drive on that. Drive on. We're not just going to sit back and let them like hit the ball in the zone there as you drop back into your deep, deep quarter, right? What if they run a so, post over the top? So of that's going to be an issue, right? And those are the issues with that. Now they tried to attack it a little bit, but without me getting two X's and always, they didn't attack it the right way with the right route combinations. Mm -hmm. That would be my big issue. They tried to run the post a few times to like the thing we're talking about here, but. The tight end, instead of running a 10 or a 12-yard out or curl route, like I'm saying, he ran like four or five yards and then ran an out route. The safety doesn't care about that. The linebackers are there for that. So now when he's not threatened by that guy at 12 or 15 yards coming at him, he can then now go double the post mm. because he goes, oh, that guy's good. Luke Heakley's on him. I can now worry about the receiver outside of me, and he gets doubled. So they didn't have the right combinations to even take advantage of it would be my big issue. But also within Carolina, they know they play cover four. They know where they're susceptible, right? Mm -hmm. They're not idiots. They understand it. And they do a great job of disguising their cover four, playing quarter, quarter, half, okay, where let's say one safety and one quarter are playing quarters coverage and the other side is playing either a cover two or even a two-man mm -hmm. on one side. So they hide it there to where you go, oh, okay, they begin a quarters lot. Oh, we'll hit a quarters shot over on this side. Oh, damn, it's cover two to that side. We're screwed. Or they do a great job of making all these coverages look the same to where you think it's quarters. And then, said hut, and you go, oh, it's quarter, quarter, half. Mm -hmm. Said hut, oh, it's cover three with like a real lazy. And for everybody out there, again, with cover three, it's usually a free safety way back deep in the middle of the field. And the strong safety comes down to almost linebacker depth, right? Mm -hmm. And plays that little area. Well, what they do a little bit is they just don't aggressively rotate that. And they don't, when they wait really long. And the safety, instead of coming down to linebacker depth, only comes down like a few steps. So when you want to hit like crossing routes and things like that, for like a 12 or 15 yard crossing route, the safety's there to get it. Yep. So they're great at um, little simplicities of their change-ups, of their coverages, and not making them look the same, let alone just like Buffalo, they have the proper talent that mm -hmm. fits the scheme. 
and that's where they're really good. If I could, if that made all made sense there. There's a lot of nuance and a lot of details and uh, a lot of, I mean, to be honest, difficult things. I think for people to understand. I know I, I, what they're doing. No, yeah. it, it's good to hear about, yeah. but. Bringing me back to the, the point, what I mm -hmm. heard the most from yeah. a former quarterback point of view, yeah. you said it all lines up the same. Yeah. And even if you only play two or three coverages out of that, when there's that second of hesitation, because you're not sure, because yeah. it lined up the same right. at the snap, right. that, I mean, that's, that's where they get these guys. Yeah, it's where they get those guys, yep. no doubt about it. You're exactly right. And, and then they're extremely smart, just like as dad was just saying. They're smart. They know what to look for. They've been coached about route combinations. Oh, when they get in the slot receiver mm -hmm. set over here, this guy does this, then that guy does that. Oh, this guy does this, and then that guy does that. So they have a great feeling of that to where, yeah, it's zone coverage, and Deshaun Watson's dropping back, and he's like, this is the right defense for their concept. But they also know the concept, too. So when you think a guy's open, and then all of a sudden you're about to throw, and you're like, holy crap, this is about to get tight. Right. I'm going to throw this ball, and they're going to be like, boom, boom, and it's going to, you know, the ball's to hit the guy as soon as the defenders are. And that's what makes them really good. And they got a quarterback in the middle of their defense and Luke Keekley, who's truly like a quarterback. I, the most communicative middle linebacker in football. I mean, I would love to play against him because I would think he's calling plays out and shit out. Right. Kind of, it's going here. And he's telling guys to move around and watch this pass. And he's making all these movements and doing things. I had that, you know, with Zach Thomas and Ray Lewis. They were the two guys that always stood out to me where I was like, Oh, shit. Uh, they know our play. Said, Hut, here you go, running back. Have fun with this one. Mm -hmm. You know, and Zach Thomas is literally like, they're running it here. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, he's right. Said, Hut, <laughs> you're fucked, Mike Pittman or Cadillac Williams. Oh, you're dead. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, that, but, but the Texans have to be more creative. They really do. There's no doubt about that. Uh, there's just got to be a little bit more more imagination just like we've talked about over the few teams already in the past game it just can't be always deshaun watson and him making a play with right. deandre hopkins because you see when that gets taken away all of a sudden they have no right, offense right they have no right. offense all right that's probably enough football for a wednesday i think, we, I think we, we've if we haven't hit every game in football and every angle in football then i came, don't know i'm sorry close. we came close but we're, we're we're doing our best here i can only watch so much film in 48 hours okay <laughs> Uh, I'm doing right. my best. But, um, again, please keep sending questions. I love doing the X's and O's stuff. And if people want me to explain X's and O's or do things on the whiteboard, anything like that, I am all for it. And Let's I can, next time. There's no question that's stupid enough. I have friends who talk to me all the time, and they're like, oh, yeah, they're playing Tampa 2. And I go, what is Tampa 2? And they don't even freaking know. Don't, right? So don't worry. And they're still my friends, so you're not, still, you're not stupid know. for asking. Right. Yeah. You know, so uh, all good. Hope everybody enjoyed it. Chris Sims on Button, Paul Burmeister, you, you the man. Thanks as always. Uh, everybody be safe out there. Talk to you soon. Thursday's Pick Podcast. It's PFTPM Unbutton Collaboration with Mike Florio. All right, peace out. See you. The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. 
So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Start clean with Clorox because Clorox delivers a powerful clean every time. Because messes happen. Because... Oh, the charcoal mask. Great, because why would I put that on my face when I could drop it in my sink? This is what I get for multitasking. Ugh, why is charcoal so sticky? <clears throat> Hello? Hey, Janice. I am so sorry. I thought I was on mute. <laughs> no, we don't need to reschedule. I'll just stay off camera. Ooh, yeah, that happens. So start clean with Clorox. Use Clorox products as directed.